The BSN Nuggets podcast, as always, presented by In We Go Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can in Denver, around Denver, for just $39 a month with no additional costs or fees either. Yeah, you guys heard that right. No additional fees, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, here's what you could hit up over the next week with In We Go. Nuggets vs. Rockets or Nuggets vs. Hawks at Pepsi Center this week. Beer flights at Prost Brewing. Comedy shows at Comedy Works. There's literally something for everyone, guys. If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that In We Go can get you in. But here's where it gets really good. We've actually partnered with In We Go to give BSN listeners a great deal. So if you go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're actually going to get 50% off your first month. So you're going to get all those events in Denver, hundreds more for just 20 bucks during your first month. Try it and you're going to fall in love with it. So go to InWeGo.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. And with that, welcome into the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by InWeGo, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. I'm Harrison Wind. Next to me is Christian Clark. This is our Monday edition of the show. We've got a game to talk about, unfortunately, for Nuggets fans. It's another loss. 121-114 to the Bucks. We'll talk about this game, the starting lineup change, obviously. What happened at the end of the game, just a breakdown and, and really a lack of execution at the end of this one late in the fourth quarter. Turnovers, poor possessions, poor shots, I thought. But, Christian, I just came from Nuggets practice here Monday, and I'll tell you guys about what happened there also. But I saw Michael Porter Jr. shooting. He's been teasing us after every practice, three-point shooting from the corner, from the wing, from the top of the key. We've been talking about how Juancho Hernan Gomez might have the prettiest shot on the team. Michael Porter Jr. shot is just as pretty, maybe even prettier than Wancho's. He's teasing us. I don't know if we're going to see him this year, but he's there. He, he's shooting. He looks unbelievable shooting the ball. It, it's just the waiting game. What are than Brooke Lopez or not? Nah? Not last night. <laughs> not last night when Brooke Lopez goes out there and starts shooting threes from the freaking hash mark on the side of the court where they have pep Pepsi Center embroidered on the court. He's not shooting from there, but could be wetter. Yeah, I mean, he could be wetter. Like, he looks like a, an elite, elite shooter from what we see bits and pieces. Yeah, he's just impossibly smooth for a guy who's, you know, between 6'10 and 6'11. So smooth. 
so tall between six foot ten, six foot eleven. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's six foot eleven. Like that guy might be the second tallest player on the Nuggets after Mason Plumley. And yeah, he's got the shot to go with it. If he gets healthy, if he gets healthy, the Nuggets are winning a championship. He can have my back. Your back? Yeah, I'm volunteering. You don't need it. I'm volunteering it for the purpose of high-scoring offense, all right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a worthy cause. If Michael Porter Jr. gets back to what he was before his back trouble started, the Nuggets will win a championship. Mark my word. Mark it down. Oh, oh okay. I'm filing that one away. You like that? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, besides Michael Porter Jr., because like I said, I don't know when he's going to play, if he's going to play this year. But let's talk about what happened last night at Pepsi Center. 121-114, the Bucks win. Let's start at the beginning of the game because we got a lineup change. We've been talking about it for the last week or so. I've written about it extensively, how it seemed like they might need to move either Malik Beasley or Juancho Aaron Gomez into that starting lineup to just get some offense at the beginning of the games. Denver was digging them such a big hole here. It happened against Boston. It happened against Brooklyn. It happened... Um, it's been happening in these last few games, and they've just spent the entire game spending the energy to get out of that hole. And they were able to come back against Boston. They weren't against Brooklyn. And so Michael Malone makes the change. He puts Wancho in there, which wasn't a big surprise to me. And it seemed like it paid dividends. What were your impressions of how the Nuggets started this game? Let's just talk about on the offensive end of the floor because there wasn't much defense in that first quarter. Both teams were hitting shots offensively, what do you think of that five? It was the first time in a while, I mean, maybe even since Will Barton was in the starting lineup first two games of the season where I thought the Nuggets looked like the Nuggets. They had that rhythm about them. I need to think of a good name for what they do on the offensive end. We've used Jokic ball before. I don't think that's that bad. But, you know, the Hawks, that 61 Hawks team had, had Hawks ballet. Something like that for the Nuggets because you can just tell when they're in rhythm on the offensive end. Um, Denver was scored 35 points uh, against Milwaukee in the first quarter. That was the most points Milwaukee has given up all season so far. Denver shot 14 of 23 from the field, 6 of 9 from three-point land. Millsap and Jokic each had 10. They had 9 assists after the first quarter. So, I mean, it, it was a noticeable, noticeable difference almost immediately between the starting lineup featuring Wancho versus the starting lineup featuring Tori. Yeah, I agree. I think it looked better. I don't believe they're all the way back. I don't think they're really close to being all the way back. There's still stuff that they need to work through, but it did look better. It was a good first step in getting closer to what that Nuggets offense used to look like on the offensive end last year, the Jokic ball, the term we coined on this podcast. So, I think it was a good move to put Wancho in there. He fits better with the starting group than Torrey Craig and then Malik Beasley, I believe, just with the threat he poses with his shot. He's clearly the best shooter out of those three. I think he's also the best ball mover, the best off-ball cutter. Maybe not the best defender, although I believe he's a little underrated on the defensive end of the floor because of his ability to protect the rim and his ability to rebound. He's a pretty good rebounder from the small forward spot. So it was a good move. It was a step in the right direction. Do you think they keep this starting lineup for the foreseeable future? 
Yeah, uh, I think that we will. Uh, um, I think to some degree it's going to be situational. You know, m- maybe you see Malik in there if if Mullen wants to go a little more defense. But overall, I mean, I think the Nuggets should be encouraged by by last night's result. I mean, the Bucks are are one of the best teams in the NBA. Um, they've got a ton of offensive firepower. They're a really well coached team. And hey, the Nuggets almost beat them, and the Bucks made a ton of just really tough shots. I mean, if you can, you know, take one of the best teams down to the wire in the NBA and, and they, you know, probably put fourth an A or A minus game for them, then I think you got to take that result most of the time, even though, you know, I, I guess it was just a good process for Denver pretty much, just not the result they were looking for. Right. I mean, the Bucks were on a back-to-back. They were on the L.A. to Denver back-to-back, which is another animal in itself, one of the toughest back-to-backs in the league. And, yeah, the way the Nuggets lost this game really left a poor taste in a lot of people's mouth. And maybe if they wouldn't have lost it in the way they had, maybe you look at it in a little different of a light. I thought it was a good effort against Milwaukee. Like you said, they're one of the best teams in the league right now. Giannis, he had a big night, 22-9-8. I didn't feel like he was otherworldly and just you know he put Milwaukee on his back and won the game it was Brooke Lopez's eight threes it was Chris Middleton making really tough shots down the stretch too it was the defense from Eric Bledsoe and Malcolm Brogdon on Denver's backcourt so I felt like Milwaukee hit Denver in a number of ways I don't think it was just Giannis and you can't really contain Giannis I mean you can do your best limit him, sink into the paint, make him shoot jumpers. His three-point shot, by the way, looks like it's completely abandoned him. He came into the league not as a good three-point shooter, but as a guy who you looked at and were like, yeah, maybe in three, four, five years he could develop into like a 35, 36, 37% three-point shooter. I don't know, man. He was 0-1 from three against Denver. Denver was playing him like he was Ben Simmons out there, sagging into the paint, letting him have free reign from – three-point land, and he was not taking the bait. He was very reluctant to shoot from three. He was 0-5 from the line, too. What do you think about Giannis's prospects as a shooter? Yeah, it's it's certainly trending in the wrong direction. If you just look at his numbers on the season, I mean, it, it looked really, really ugly. Um, and, you know, the Bucks are going to be fine in the regular season. I mean, heck, that they might even, you know, approach – 60 60 wins this season or, or something like that but as you go deeper and deeper into the playoffs as we all know I mean it, mistakes just just get magnified so I'm really curious you know how that how that could affect him in you know an Eastern Conference finals down the road against the Celtics when you know like Jalen Brown is guarding him and, and he's just standing like 12 feet off of him or, or something like that but I don't know man Giannis is kind of like the one guy where it's like he, he really might not even need a jump shot to like even take a team to the finals, yeah. assuming that team around him is built the correct way. <laughs> he still went, uh, he went 11 for 16 in this game. His Eurostep is crazy, man. I mean, he had a, a dunk in the first half where Paul Millsap picked him up like right around the three-point line, pretty much, you know, stayed between him and the rim the whole way. And Giannis still dunked it right over Millsap. I mean, he's one of those guys where you can do everything right and still get dunked on, but... Yeah, I mean, the outside shot uh, doesn't have any confidence in it at all right now. 
Yeah, and that play when he just barreled Paul Millsap and like put Paul in the rim was crazy. Here's Paul Millsap, 6'8", 250, 260 maybe. And Giannis made him look like he was Monte Morris out there. Just took him to the hoop. Like, like I said, almost put him in the rim on that play. Giannis wasn't on from three, but Brooke Lopez certainly was. And before we get into his night, how Denver defended him, I also want to play a clip from Michael Malone's postgame presser where he questioned whether his team had scouted Brooke Lopez effectively. Got to tell you guys about this deal from... Total Beverage. It's an awesome deal for BSN listeners. You probably already know that Total Beverage has the most liquor in Colorado. At the best prices in Colorado, now they're actually delivering to anywhere in the North Metro area, all the way from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. The only caveat is you got to use promo code BSN10. Again, use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off an order of $50 or more for all your holiday parties and have it delivered to your door. If you're not going to spend $50, you can also download the Total Beverage app and use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off your delivery order. That's promo code BSN10 on the Total Beverage app for $10 off your next delivery order as well. So Brooke Lopez... Christian explodes for 28 points on 8 of 13 shooting from the field. It's crazy because we speak about Giannis. He might have been the difference in this one. What do you think of his night? Oh, he exploded. (laughs) Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know what to make of it. Brooke Lopez just did not shoot threes for the first eight seasons of of his career. Just straight up did not attempt threes. And he's turned him in. To, he's turned himself into you know one of the best stretch fives in all of basketball. It's pretty remarkable. I mean, 39 for 93 on threes this season. He hit six in the game um, against the Clippers right before this Denver game. Some of those shots were just ridiculous. You referenced the one from the hash mark. I mean, I haven't seen anybody make one from the hash mark since uh, I saw Marshall Henderson do that in a high school game uh, against actually the high school I went to. Um I don't know, man. I mean, that w- it was pretty insane. I, I, I mean, I thought I honestly thought Malone was a little bit harsh post game. I thought there were some opportunities where Denver could have, you know, stuck with him instead of helping so much and done a little bit better job of running him off the three point line. But really, for the most part, I just thought he made some great shots. Speaking of Michael Malone, you teased it there. Let's hear what he did have to say when asked about Brooke Lopez's threes. Last night, I mean, they're, they're a, obviously a high-scoring machine. Uh, they take 43s a game, so they, they do that every night. Obviously, uh, the disappointing thing about it was um, just the lack of discipline in terms of. I mean, we let Brook Lopez go eight of 13. I mean, uh, going into the game, and you know it's funny. They played yesterday afternoon, and uh, I have no idea how many of our guys watched the game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's only a handful that watched it. And if they would have watched that game, they would have seen Brooke Lopez go 6 of 12 yesterday. And he's having a great season for them, shooting the ball. And some of our guys are probably surprised he had eight threes tonight. And um, I don't get that. This is your job. This is your livelihood. This is your profession. Study your opponent. Know who you're playing. We go over personnel. We talk about it. We give guys who the runoffs are, who the guys are going to close out hot to. 
and he still got eight threes. And we continue to close short, and we continue to help off him too much. And he made us pay for it. So you tip your hat. They came in here and beat our ass tonight. And uh, hopefully we can learn from the three losses and uh, keep on moving in the right direction. So that's what Malone had to say. Remind me, the guys we spoke with in the locker room after the game, Monte Morris said he knew Brooke Lopez was that good of a shooter from watching film. He mentioned how he was one of the runoff guys is, I think, the term that he used to describe their game plan against him, running him off the three-point line. Gary Harris said something to the tune of, we knew he was a good shooter, didn't think he was going to go off like that. So... I mean, it seemed like the Nuggets were cognizant of the game plan to run Brooke Lopez off the line. They didn't do that. And it was tough because he was taking some of these shots and he wasn't even open. Like Nicole Jokic was pressed up on him and Brooke Lopez would just fade back a little and shoot the ball with his outstretched arms well over his head and make the shot. So it's not like Denver wasn't close to him on these threes. It's not like many of those were wide open. They were closely guarded, tightly contested threes. A lot of them were from well beyond the three-point line. So, I don't know. Maybe you just got to tip your hat to them. There probably could have been some points where the Nuggets would have played it better defensively. Michael Malone said at practice on Monday that two of those threes were from unnecessary helps from Denver's perspective, so just like a wrong rotation or whatnot, helping on the wrong guy and leaving him. But maybe you just got to tip your hat to him on some of those. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, any dude that makes it makes it from the hash mark, hats off to you. That that was pretty incredible. <laughs> I mean, that was just one of the eight. But, I mean, Brooke Lopez was fantastic. Great pickup by them. I mean, great fit for what they're trying to do on the offensive end. Their offense looks great. They've been this team that's been a defensive first team these last few years under Jason Kidd and Joel Prunty, and I don't know if they've had anybody else in there. They look like a different offensive team, obviously, under Mike Budenholzer. The floor is so spaced. They play five out most of the time. It's fun to watch. There's nobody in the lane. It's wide open. There's so many driving lanes. Obviously, the floor is spaced. So you're going to get open threes, cutters, and whatnot. So it's a fun offense to watch. Yeah, and Brooke Lopez looks like a great fit. I don't know how the Lakers let him go. He's fitting in really well there, and he's obviously – I'm sure he's having a good time there too, shooting all these threes. This three-point train with him started like three years ago. He averaged 5.2 threes per game in 2016-17, his last year with Brooklyn. 4.4 per game last year in L.A., 7.2 threes per game. This year in Milwaukee, I believe that's around the same amount of threes that Clay Thompson shoots per game. What did you think about his finish the cigarette and then put it out with his foot celebration? It was great. I loved it. It was yeah, great. That was excellent. It was great. Like I've 10. said on this podcast many times, if you're a if you're a good shooter, you absolutely need a go-to three-point celebration. It's one of the first things you need to establish when. You're like, all right, I'm probably going to be making like three, four, five threes a game. I need a go-to celebration. I wasn't able to make it to the Nuggets Media Skills Challenge. What was your uh, go-to celebration after you won that thing? I didn't have one. I didn't have one. Okay. I'm not used to making that many threes. All right. Well, think of something for next year, please. When I defend my title. All right. So let's fast forward here to the end of regulation because that's where I think we need to focus on here. I want to start at 
5.36 left in the game. Denver leads 109-105. And some context here, the Nuggets bench had led this comeback. Denver was on a 21-6 run, I believe, to start the fourth quarter. And most of that run was behind the play of Monte Morris, Trey Lyles, Malik Beasley, Mason Plumlee, and I believe Jamal Murray was out there with the bench unit. Let's talk about the bench for a moment because they've been stellar all year. I spoke about in the preseason how I thought like this bench could be like the Toronto Raptors bench from last year, just immediately come in the game, dominate the opposing team's second unit when the starters rested, give their nuggets a nice jolt of energy, and then set the game up nicely for the starters to finish the game, or even sometimes close the game instead of the starters if they're playing really well. And we saw them do it again at the end of the third and in the fourth quarter. Great on both ends of the floor, offense and defense. That's a thing that shouldn't go unnoticed. This bench group played, played great defense. Monte Morris was stellar on both ends of the floor. And then things kind of just fell apart from there. But let's start with the bench. What do you think of that group? Yeah, the Nuggets were down 11 points after the third quarter. At that 536 mark, it was a, a Trey Lyles dunk. The Nuggets were ahead by four. So, you know, those bench guys were pretty much responsible for a 15-point swing there. And Denver was in a great position to, to stop that two-game skid at that point. Um, Mason Plumley has been phenomenal on the defensive end this year, in my opinion. Um, he's doing a great job of blowing up, picking rolls. He, he's getting his hands on a, a lot of dribbles into the passing lanes right now. His energy has been phenomenal. He just looks more athletic overall this year to me than in years past. Um, Monte Morris, that's the guy we probably should be talking about. On the season, Monte Morris has 50 assists and five turnovers, a 10-to-1 turnover-assist-to ratio. And we know Monte is kind of the assist-to-turnover king. He, he set the uh, NCAA single-season mark three different times when he was at Iowa State. I mean, he was just a guy who was put on this earth to set his teammates up. Um, he plays such a smart brand of basketball, and I was talking with this with Adam Morris about this too in the locker room afterwards. He's been better on the defensive end than you know I, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be. That was one of the concerns about him because Monte is what six two or six three. Six three. Yeah. So you know he's got he's got the height, but he's got a pretty slender frame. I mean, he's almost got like a boxer's build or, or something like that. Um, I mean, I think he's listed at 180 pounds or something like that. So really slender fra frame, but it hasn't been an issue at all. I mean, his anticipation, his ability to just get deflections and steals, I mean, his, his frame hasn't caused him any issues. So Monte was phenomenal. I mean, you can make a case that, shoot, besides uh, Paul Millsap and Jokic, he was Denver's best player on the court. Yeah, he's like a bantamweight point guard I think you referred to him earlier this season as just like a, a really lightweight boxer in one of those lowest weight classes so he's so slim but he gets his hands on balls he sticks his hands in, in into defense into his opponent just generates steals and whatnot makes people uncomfortable pressures the opposing point guard 94 feet he played great 10 assists zero turnovers last night and on the assist to turnover front, he also leads the league in assist to turnover ratio right now. I think only what, like five turnovers on the whole year for him to like Insane. 50 assists or something like that. So he's been great. 
This is Monte Morris's first time in an NBA rotation. I mean, right. he he wasn't in there last year. He appeared in three games. He spent most of his year in the G League. It, it's remarkable that he's looked this poised. I mean, he's second on the Nuggets roster in total assists, sixth in total minutes. The Nuggets have really, really, really relied on him. And the way he's played, I wouldn't be surprised if they rely on him even more going forward. Yeah, well, let's talk about that. So most of the bench subs out gradually over the next few minutes, and Denver closes with Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Paul Millsap was out there at the end. Um, but you know, over the next few possessions, Denver only generated what I would call four good looks from the field in their last 10 possessions of the game, uh, going back and watching it from uh, that 536 mark in the fourth. Contested shots, quick early clock threes that were contested, turnovers. Denver had three turnovers in the last minute 50 of the game, which was surprising because they just had 10 turnovers the entire game. They took care of the ball really well, um, but so, just some really bad possessions, lack of execution down the stretch. You know, what do you see from this team on offense? Because like, I don't think they lost this game defensively. They lost it just not being able to generate good looks on the offensive end of the floor and turning the ball over down the stretch. I mean, these three turnovers, if you remember them, in these this last minute 50, one Nicole Jokic got doubled in the post. He just turned it over. That was at the 140 mark. Another one, uh, Jamal Murray tried to make this pocket pass to Nicole Jokic, and it was just an errant pass coming off a uh, screen and roll to the big man. And then the clinching turnover, down five. Denver throws it away on the inbounds pass. Malik Beasley turns it over trying to find Jamal Murray, and, and that was really all she wrote at that point. Michael Malone called it a comedy of errors, which – is a pretty good way to describe what happened. Gary Harris, I mean, he's been, you know, over the course of the season, pretty reliable down the stretch, but he, he just didn't look like himself at all last night. He made, you know, one of the biggest errors of the game. Denver was down three with a, about 31 seconds to go, and he just fouled. The Nuggets didn't want to foul in that situation. They were trying to get a stop and then, you know, go hit a three-pointer with something like six or seven seconds left in the shot clock. So, that was a big mental mistake f from Gary. Um, he also had, had the turnover. Jamal Murray too. Um, it's you know we've we've talked about it a little bit so far this season, but you know his his struggles to contribute in other ways than scoring, I think, have been an issue um, for the Nuggets so far this season. You know, I, I think he's. Really got to work on tightening up his handle. Um, we saw Lonzo Ball rip him in the backcourt against the Lakers. That was a pretty stark example of he gets kind of loose with it sometimes. Um, his playmaking is still definitely a work in progress. Him and Nikola Jokic have had trouble, I think, getting on the same page at times this season. And Jokic has looked frustrated, frankly, because Murray can't get the ball in, in his spots sometimes. So I just think Jamal you know, has got to continue to improve and the other aspects of the game besides scoring the ball because we know he can do that. Yeah, with how Monte Morris played, leading that comeback early in the fourth quarter, handing out 10 assists, zero turnovers, Denver posted a 128.6 offensive rating when he was on the floor. When he sat, the Nuggets only averaged 93.3 points per 100 possessions last night. I felt like 
with how he played over the first three quarters and then what he did in the fourth, I felt like Monte Morris should have been on the floor to close that game last night. Denver was playing better on both ends of the floor with him on the court, and I didn't I don't really care who else was on the court with him. Like it's not a case of yeah, you have to have Monte on the floor, so you gotta have Jamal sitting or whatnot. When he's been on the floor, the Nuggets have just looked like a better offensive team in terms of the pace they play with in the half court, in terms of how well they move the ball, how crisp they are at getting into their sets. They've just looked like a better and more complete offensive team when he's been on the floor. I was surprised when he did not close the game last night, and I definitely felt like he should have been on the court. I think one reason why you know, Jamal's um, inability to you know, kind of have success with the, the finer points of playing point guard really stands out lately is that Will Barton hasn't been in the lineup. Sure. I think Will Barton is so critical for this team because he takes a little or he lightens the playmaking load a little bit for Jamal Murray. I mean, if they're bringing the pressure, you know, Will Barton can just bring the ball up and he really has no issues, I think, uh, or fewer issues than Murray. I think he's probably the second best passer in, in the Nuggets starting lineup other than Nikola Jokic. So I do think that that's one reason why we're, we're seeing – Murray struggle right now is because Will Barton's not in there to, to lighten the load on him. And he's also that release valve too. He, that's just that calming presence on the court. And this even goes back to the starting lineup, right? Like when I did my whole write-up on here's why the Nuggets are getting off to bad starts and why they probably need to make a change there, it really just exemplifies how much they miss Will Barton because he was such an integral piece to that starting lineup. He's such an integral piece to this team not having his ability to stretch the floor from three-point range in that starting lineup. He's a guy who shot 37% from three each of the last two years. Not having that guy that defenses have to respect, who can play make, who can play in the pick and roll and in the pick and pop in the DHO with Jokic or Paul Millsap. He's leaving such a void in that starting lineup too. So that's another reason why those starters have struggled for sure and maybe why the Nuggets – offensive cohesion hasn't really been there it has been fascinating though how it just to seem like Jamal Murray struggled more this year with the finer points of playing point guard than last year and the only thing I can really think of is that teams are just playing him differently it's I don't think it's something you just somehow get worse at year to year like just entering the ball into the post to Jokic or Millsap like running your team he was effective in that role last year definitely more effective than he was this year it's just pretty baffling how and why it's sticking out so much more this year than last year that's pretty interesting and I think there could be something to that I mean uh, nobody's really gonna overlook you when NBA GMs just voted you to, to win breakout player of the year or I'm sorry most improved player of the year so maybe that that's one reason why you know, teams are paying a little more attention. And I think the scouting report that if you pressure Murray, he struggles sometimes, has really gotten around too. I mean, we're just seeing a lot of teams pressure him for, for you know, mm-hmm. 90 feet down the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the number one thing you can probably point to when looking at how teams are playing him differently. Pressuring him full court, stuff like that. So we'll see if the Nuggets can adjust. Let's go ahead and take a break real quick. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. 
Are you in search of natural relief from your daily stresses? Well, Strava Craft Coffee is a CBD-rich, hemp oil-infused coffee that is non-psychoactive, helps reduce pain naturally, keeps those coffee jitters away, and so much more. I started drinking it because I had degenerative arthritis, and I would prefer to drink coffee that has natural ingredients in it for healing, and this coffee treats the inflammatory process that happens from having degenerative arthritis. That was Robin. She's been drinking Strava Craft coffee every day for months now, and she is so happy with the results. I would recommend it to America, to everyone, because it is a fantastic product. It delivers, it does what it says it's going to do, and it's amazing. Put your body back in balance with Strava Craft Coffee and see how good you feel. Order online today and use promo code BSN2018 for 20% off. That's BSN2018. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwigil Harrison Wynn, Christian Clark, Monday edition of the show. Going forward, I think we both expect Wancho to stick in the starting lineup for now. Mike Malone teased today on Altitude Radio that maybe depending on the matchups, it could be Malik Beasley. Maybe it could be Monte Morris. I don't really see that, though. I think maybe that's something you could talk about at the end of games more, not really at the start. But you know, Denver struggles on defense like they did in the first quarter again. Maybe you look at Malik Beasley. We've always said he's kind of like the happy medium between Wancho, who's certainly more offense, and Torrey Craig, who is, I guess, more defense. Malik Beasley's kind of the happy medium in between there. But I wouldn't expect to see Monte Morris in that starting lineup. But it might be a different deal at the end of games. Like I said a few minutes ago, I thought Monte Morris should have been out on the floor to close this game. Denver just seemed to play so much better you know, from the eye test, and the numbers backed it up, too, when he was on the floor, really on both ends of the court. I thought he had a really good defensive game, too, like we just talked about, and so I thought it would have been a good call to have him out there to close the game. Going forward, could you see a scenario where they close games with a Monte Morris, say, Paul Millsap, Nicole Jokic, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray with a three-guard look of Murray... Monte and Gary? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely plausible. Um, and, you know, Gary Harris, look, he's six foot four, but he's, you know, a, a strong and stocky six foot four. And I, I, I just don't see how, you know, how much worse is Gary Harris at, at defending small forwards than Will Barton and Malik Beasley? I mean, I, I think that's, you know, al- almost the same. I mean, I, I know. Will Barton is much longer than Gary Harris, but I think Gary could could defend small forwards, you know, in brief stretches of time. You wouldn't want him to do it the whole game, but yeah, it's going to depend on the matchup probably. Like Nuggets are going to be small regardless if you know they're going with those two guys and a Will Barton at the three. Torrey Craig he's around the same size as Will Barton. Wancho obviously has a bit more length, but. Odds are they're going to be small against a lot of teams with their backcourt, and if one of those guys tries to defend a three, it just definitely seems to me like this team so far this year has operated way more together on offense with Monte Morris. It's almost as if his unselfishness 
his passing ability, his IQ, the way he sees the floor rubs off on whoever else he's playing with because it's been kind of funny. The bench unit with Monte Morris, Malik, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumley, they've almost played Jokic ball more than the starters have this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, their chemistry is unbelievable. All those guys, I mean, it's clear that, that they they love playing with one another. And, you know, I think the Nuggets are allowed to have this funky construction with their starting lineup because Nikola Jokic is such a brilliant playmaker. You know, obviously you can throw Jamal Murray out there at the one. His first, second, and third instincts are to shoot. And I think that works when, you know, you have Will Barton, you know, to be a secondary or tertiary playmaker, but now there's not that much playmaking in the starting lineup aside from Jokic, and, and that's a lot. But, yeah, I mean, any way you can manu- you can get just a little more playmaking um, into those you know lineups to close the game, I think is a good thing. The second unit has been really impressive. They're playing, like I just mentioned, the style that we saw from the starters so often last year where the starters are still trying to work out some kinks. The second unit is also playing with that same joy that the Nuggets had last year. And that's something you haven't seen from the starters a ton this season. The joy, the happiness that this free-flowing offense generated a year ago hasn't been there, specifically over this three-game losing streak. It seems like the Nuggets are playing with a lot of pressure from my perspective early on this season. And maybe that's because like we've talked about, like it or not, expectations go up exponentially when you start nine and one, that's just how it happens. So maybe they were feeling that a little bit, but they've dropped three in a row. They're playing like they got the weight of the world on their shoulders right now. And it just seems like they got to relax a little. Remember how they got to this point. Remember how they played to get to this point what they've done on offense the last couple of years, and just play free, play with some joy, smile a little bit. Like when's the last time we saw Nikola Jokic or maybe even like a Jamal Murray smile? It hasn't been too often in these last few games. No, and you know I think one of the main reasons the Nuggets often play that joyful brand of basketball is is that's the style of basketball Nikola Jokic likes to play. Right. And you know he he's uh, hasn't been in a great mood lately. We'll say. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's been really good on the court these last two games, but clearly, you know, I think personality-wise, he's not the same joker that that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. So, you know, I wonder if that picks up, then maybe we see some joy from the Nuggets too. Yeah, we'll see. This game Tuesday against Houston is going to be fascinating. The Rockets did not get off to a great start this year, but – Seems like they're cutting bait with Carmelo Anthony. Maybe they're figuring a few things out, and we know how they've killed the Nuggets over the last couple seasons. So Denver needs a win badly. It's going to be tough against Houston. I don't care how bad they're playing. And then the Nuggets welcome Atlanta in here later in the week before heading out on a little road trip. That should be a win if they're not able to get one against Houston. But this team just seems like they need a win to lift their spirits a little bit. A win over a Houston team who's given them so much trouble in the past would go a long way towards that, I think. Yeah, Denver went winless against Houston last year. It's not going to be easy. We saw how LeBron picked picked apart the Nuggets' pick-and-roll defense in that game against the Lakers. You know, I think James Harden has the ability to do something similar. So it's going to be a good test for Denver. All right, we'll see how that game works out. 
keep an eye out for a post-game pod after the Rockets game on Tuesday, rehashing a win or a loss. We'll see. Until then, talk to you guys later.